Coram Deo is a Latin theological term that summarizes the idea that Christians live in the presence of, under the authority of, and to the glory of God. Quorum Deo, uh, a Latin theological term that our church fathers certainly used centuries ago when Latin was a more common uh, term, uh, a language used in, in, in our theological studies, in the presence of God. Adam and Eve sinned, and they thought they could uh, hide from God's presence, remember? They couldn't. The psalm writer tells us there's nowhere we can go anywhere, anytime, any place that we will be away from the presence of God. And we're continuing this Lenten sermon series called God of Wonders. And today we'll talk about the wonder of his presence. And I want to start from the book of uh, Psalms. This talks about God's presence. Let me read for you uh, Psalm 139, some selected passages. It reads this way, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light will uh, become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. May God be honored by the reading of his holy word this morning. Beloved, this is God's word for us. Let's come together in prayer. Our God and our Father, thank you for sharing your presence with us. You are God. We are your people. You are with us. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. So today, let us learn more from your holy word, what it means to be in your presence. And let it move us to wonder, to think about, to ponder, to behold. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. We pray it for the glory of Jesus and in his name, and together we all say, amen. Number one for us this morning is that God's presence can be overwhelming. God's presence can be overwhelming. As you just heard from Laura, she was talking about Moses and God. Moses goes up to the mountain and talks to God, and we read this. God said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. That's some pretty dramatic stuff. The presence of God can be overwhelming. Think about a time when you were overwhelmed. A time when you were overwhelmed. I wonder what you're thinking about right now. I'm thinking about November 2005. Kate and I are in a small adoption office in Hubei Province, China. And they place a 10-month-old baby in our hands. We're parents. Overwhelming. Maybe you've had children, grandchildren. Maybe you brought a puppy home and you were overwhelmed. I'm thinking about the first time I saw the, the Swiss Alps in person. It was a sunny day like this. It's overwhelming. It's breathtaking. I'm thinking about times in worship where I've been humbled and choked up and weeping and the knees get weak, just overwhelmed by God's goodness in my life. God's presence can be overwhelming. Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God and God's presence before Moses is overwhelming. Moses says to God, show me your glory. And God said, you cannot see my face, nor, uh, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. I will kind of hide you in a little crevice, cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand from you and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. Remember that? And the story continues. And Moses comes down from the mountain, Exodus 34. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. Moses was glowing because he had seen God. They were afraid to come near him. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out again. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded. And they saw that his face was radiant 
When Moses, then Moses would put the veil back over his face <clears throat> until he went to speak with the Lord. Moses was in the presence of God and it changed him physically. His face was glowing. He was radiant. The people were afraid of him. Gosh, that guy's face is glowing. Are you familiar with the sculpture of Moses with horns? Does this ring a bell with anybody? Moses with horns. So uh, Michelangelo is the guy who sculpted it, and it's remarkable because he's obviously brilliant. So the Pope, who was the Pope at that time, don't know his name, wanted to have a statue of Moses uh, erected at the door of his tomb when he died. So Michelangelo went at it, and Mo uh, Michelangelo thought that Moses had horns. You can see it. It's in Rome somewhere. Why in the world would Michelangelo, maybe the best sculptor ever, sculpt Moses with horns? See, it was a translation thing. I don't know much about Hebrew, but in the original Hebrew, uh, the word for shining or radiant, which was Moses' face, is kind of like karan. And the word for horns is like karen. So Michelangelo, in the translation he had, thought Moses came down off the mountain with horns. Moses didn't come down off the mountain with horns, but he didn't come down off the mountain after being in God's presence, shining radiant, glorious. He was glowing because God's presence can be overwhelming. And that presence is a beautiful thing. It shouldn't be frightening because we understand that God's presence is also protection. When God is with us, we have protection, and that's what he promises to be. God's presence can protect Exodus, Exodus 33. The story continues and God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I, you'll have peace. You'll have um, my presence with you. I will protect you. This might be one of the more familiar aspects of God's presence for you. When you think of God being with you, you think of him as your protector, and that's good. We should think of him that way. Psalm 91, whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty can say to him, you are my defender and protector. You are my God, and in you I trust. He will keep you safe from all the hidden dangers and from all the deadly diseases. He will cover you with his wings. You'll be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect you and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day or the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in daylight. A thousand may fall beside you, 10,000 all around you. You won't be harmed. You will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have... Uh, you have made the Lord your defender, the most high your protector. So we know from this passage and many, many others that God's presence means protection. I hope you know that. Some of you are going through the worst stuff of life. I know it. We talk. God is with you. He's protecting you, even if it doesn't seem like it. Pastor Chad Bird, a writer, writes this. The Lord who seems so distant actually sits beside us in our prisons he lies with us in our hospital beds and kneels with us in the dirt besides the graves of our children. Trials and temptations, burdens and losses are where God is most active to bring his grace into our lives. We need the Savior who crawls into the pit with us, takes us broken and bleeding in his arms, and bears us home to his father's house. Number three for us today is God's presence became incarnate. Incarnate, this Latin word carne, right, means flesh. God became flesh. The presence of God became a man. We know this in the Christmas story. Philippians 2, 6 and 7, who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus left the perfection of heaven, where there's not even a hint of aggravation, 
to come to a broken, dark, confused, evil, profane, foul world. And he did it to be more than just company, as Laura said. What a great thing. This should be called the presence of God more than just company. He came to be our rescuer. The presence of God became incarnate. You might know the name Max Licato. He's a writer, pretty famous guy. He writes and talks about the squirrels that play outside his picture window. I know exactly what he's talking about. We have two little rascals in our backyard, and I love watching them. One's a big one, one's a small one. They chase each other, they fight, they steal food from each other. It's, it's really enjoyable, frankly, <laughs> for me to watch the violence outside. <laughs> but Max Lucado says he loves them too, and they distract him from work, and he goes over and he watches them for a while. But then he writes this, but I'd never consider becoming one of them. The squirrel world holds no appeal to me. Who wants to sleep next to a hairy rodent with beady eyes? Give up my comfy home, bass fishing, weddings, and laughter? For a hole in the ground and a diet of dirty nuts? Count me out. But count Jesus in. What a world he left. Our classiest mansion would be a tree trunk to him. Earth's finest cuisine would be walnuts on heaven's table. And the idea of becoming a squirrel with claws and tiny teeth and a furry tail? It's nothing compared to God's becoming an embryo and entering into the womb of Mary. The presence of God means God became incarnate. He became a man. If you want something to think about as we're talking about this idea of the wonders of God's presence, think about God becoming a man. Well, number four, God's presence seemed to have been removed from the world, but it wasn't. This God who came to be more than just company to us, he came to be our savior, went to the cross and died. And remember how, how the natural universe reacted to Jesus's death. It seemed like God had pulled his presence away from noon until three in the afternoon. Darkness came over all the land. The earth shook and rocks split. It seems like God pulled his presence away from existence when Jesus died, but he didn't. This is the season of Lent. Many of you observed Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. Thank you for coming. Thanks for coming to service today. Keep coming all the way through Lent as we march through that Holy Week, right? Jesus' passion or his passiveness will gather on Thursday to remember the washing of the feet and the mandate to love one another and then the institution of the Lord's Supper. And then we remember how Jesus and his disciples left that upper room and went to the garden and there was Sweat like blood and prayers to be released from this burn. And Judas, the betrayer, comes and brings the authorities. And with a kiss, he shows them which one is Jesus. And he's arrested and dragged away and humiliated. His clothes are ripped off of him. His hair is pulled out. He's punched. He's spit upon. He's beaten with whips. And then a huge timber cross is laid across him. And he drags it to Golgotha. And he's laid on it. And metal is driven through his body to stick him up on that piece of wood. And then he's raised up high in the pole and left to die. And we know how the story goes, the words from the cross, and then the sun is setting, so they've got to get these people off these crosses because at Sabbath, you can't have dead or dying people up on poles. So they come to break legs, right, for the people suffering on the cross. So they would die quickly. They couldn't lift themselves up anymore with their, their legs to breathe. And they, they broke that guy's legs, and they broke that guy's legs, and they came to Jesus, and they didn't, didn't, didn't have to break his legs because he was already dead. And what must the disciples and the women who love Jesus, they must have thought that God removed his presence from the world. This one that we've given up everything for, he's dead. We didn't see that coming, although they should have. He spoke of it often. It seems like God removed his presence from the world on that Good Friday, but he didn't. He did it for you. He, 
he did it for me. I've been reading about this man. His name is Shin Dong Hyuk. He's the only person to have escaped a North Korean high maximum security prison and lived to tell about it. He was born in that prison. He didn't know anything but that. He thought the entire world was like that. He thought either you were a prisoner or a guard. He spent 24 years hungry, tormented, almost worked to death, and he just thought that was existence. Until one day a man named Park shows up to camp. Now, he had grown up outside the prison camp system. He knew that there was a different world out there. And he told Shin of what it was like to be free and to travel. And the most appealing thing to Park, uh, to Shin, was the idea of broasted chicken. Now, he didn't even know what chicken was. He didn't even know what meat was. But this foreigner, this outsider came in and said, yeah, there's stuff called roasted chicken. It's awesome. And he would tell him about it. And he didn't really know what it tasted like, but he thought it must taste it must taste like freedom. So one day, Park and Shin decided to go for it, to go into the world of roasted chicken. And they knew the electrified fence would be a peril, but they wanted it so badly. So the new guy, the guy that came to visit, the new prisoner, touched the electrified fence and instantly was killed. Thousands of volts of electricity coursed through his body. His heart stopped. But now he was laying across this electrified fence so Shin could crawl over his dead body and into freedom. And he made his way eventually to South Korea. And he lives and is a Jesus follower now. And he tells his story. And he tells what it cost for him to get his freedom. It cost one other man to die in his place so that he could crawl over that man to get to freedom. Jesus didn't die on an electrified fence for us, brothers and sisters. He died on a cross. Same thing, though. He bridged the gap between freedom and death. And now we have so much more than roasted chicken. Although I love roasted chicken. Freedom. We have, we have vision. We have a path to walk on. We have a God who loves us. We have grace. We have God's word. Now, again, I know many of you are in the garbage of life, and it seems like his presence has been pulled back from you. It hasn't. God is with us. God's presence is real and tangible to us in holy baptism and holy communion and, and in God's word. That's where we are sure of his presence. Now we're sure of his presence going along through the day, right? He's with us. But the sure, tangible presence of God are available in the sacraments and in his holy word. We know these to be means of grace. In other words, delivery systems of God's presence into our life. Uh, we're going to baptize a young man named Dylan in the 10 o'clock service in the sanctuary. When that happens, Pastor Zardi will speak the words of baptism over him from the Bible and wash him with water. And God's presence comes into that little boy's life. When you come up next week, bread and wine, the body and blood of Christ, Christ's presence for you. That's one of the five questions we ask, right? Before communion, do you believe that in the bread and wine, the real presence of Christ's body and blood are in these elements? Yes. And read his word. Gosh, we say it just about every week in our sermons around here. I'm glad we do because it's that important. Open God's word daily. Read a chunk of it, a big chunk, a little chunk. Think about it. Ask questions. Look up words you don't understand. Read commentaries. God's presence is in his word. So we now in 2023, we are the presence of God to a hurting world. God often uses broken, sideways people like us to show his presence to a hurting world. Matthew 5, Jesus is telling the people in his Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good, de good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus is telling us that people will see the goodness of God in 
in our works. Jesus is telling them that people will see the goodness of his father in our good works. Right now, we have over 40 missionaries from both Royal Redeemer and other churches in the Dominican Republic, blessing people, building, sharing the love of Jesus. What do you think the people of the DRC, when they see those missionaries, they see the presence of God. What do you think the dozens of families who drive through this place every week and and come to our food pantry, and I see the the food being loaded into the car, their cars, it's good stuff, it's blessing. What do you think they see? When they come and receive that blessing, they see the presence of God. We have over 400 students pre through grade eight on campus, uh, Monday through Friday during the school year in our school. Oh, they learn about geometry and history and physics, but they also learn of the love of Jesus. What do you think they see? They see the presence of God. We are the presence of God to a hurting world. Some commentators lament the fact that we are beyond the age of reason. Have you noticed it? It seems like people who have opposing views just won't put up with reason. You can come to them lovingly with maybe six things that are reasonable uh, arguments against what they believe, and they just won't hear it. No, it doesn't matter. You could say anything. It's it's frustrating. How, How do you talk to people like that? How do you rationally speak with people who are beyond ration? How do you reason with people who don't want to hear reason? And I think, it's just my opinion, I think we deal with it in the most unreasonable way we can. I think we love them. Love gives when the recipient is undeserving. It's unreasonable. Love gives the guilty. Love prays for its persecutors. Love is generous to the unworthy. Love blesses the unkind. Love gives to the proud. Love is gracious to sinners. Seems very unreasonable. Let's do that. Let's be unreasonable with the unreasonable in a way that glorifies God with this unreasonable love. Because it actually works. And we know that from the cross. You are the presence of God to a hurting world. I know many of you. I know of your kindness. I know of your generosity. I know of your charity. Thank you. Let's continue. Let's all join in for those of us who aren't yet. Let's do it more. Let's be even more of a ridiculously loving church. Showing the presence of God to people around us in a broken world. Let the world wonder at the presence of God as they observe the people of God. Let the world wonder as they observe the presence of God by watching the people of God. Some next steps for you as we wrap up this morning. These are at the bottom of your worship folder. Things to think about, to pray about this week. Um, foster or nurture a heart that is grateful for God's presence in your life. We take it for granted, right? But let's just have this Lent a, a grateful heart. God, thank you that you're, that you're with me. Thanks that you're around. Thanks that, thanks that you are more than just company. That you are actually my protector and my savior. Secondly, enjoy the benefit of God's presence in his word. Read about it daily. There's, there's your little prompt. Would you read his word and, and read it daily? And three, be God's presence in other people's lives as you, lift, as you let your light shine. Let people see God's presence in your life through acts of kindness and charity, selfless, selflessness and love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for your presence with us. You, you promised to never leave us nor forsake us, even on days that are long and leave us feeling weary and empty. We know that you haven't left us. On days when our circumstances have consumed us, you hold us, you are with us, you won't let go. Even the darkness is not dark to you. You're the creator of light and your presence shines through the darkest of days. May those here this morning who are tired and overwhelmed find, find you to be a close comfort. Show them that you are walking beside them, carrying them through today. Lift their heads to see the ways that you are present. Thank you for being Emmanuel. Thank you for being God with us. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. And together we all say.
Amen.